Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 61. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I'm here with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. We're back in Chernobyl, and we've got another scourge of ransomware to deal with. Ransomware, not ransomware, rans- I, fake yeah, ransomware, yeah, purported ransomware. This is the kind of week it's been. We're talking about none other than the Petya, not Petya, Petri, Peach, whatever you want to call it, ransomware that emerged on Monday that seemed to, the attacks seemed to originate in, not from, but in Ukraine and parts of Eastern Europe and spread pretty quickly throughout, across, across the globe. But mostly Ukraine. But mostly Ukraine, Eastern Europe, uh, some, some, some damage in Russia and other countries in that area. But it's bad. And it comes on the heels of WannaCry. And it's another example of, like WannaCry, a malware or specifically a ransomware strain that uses NSA Sagra weapons, in this case, Eternal Blue. And it's bad. It's bad news. I mean, I'm not saying anything that we don't already know, Peter, but I think this is more than, and we're going to get into this. This is what the discussion I think is, is, is going to be about today. Not just sort of the scope of the damage and, oh, here we go again with ransomware and NSA exploits. Like, those are all bad, but I think this speaks to sort of larger trends and and sort of a a big picture for the threat landscape and what we're facing when a a threat actor or a, a threat group finally gets their act together and starts using not only some of the tools that are available with NSA cyber weapons, but when they figure out that they can use specific, you know, live off the land, use specific tools and protocols to their advantage to just wreak complete havoc. And why they're doing it, what's the motive, we'll get into that a little bit, but, but Peter, yeah. So what are your thoughts on seeing what you saw take place this week, sort of the back and forth about what we're naming it, what, what's, uh, what we're calling it, what it's, what it's doing, is it ransomware, is it not ransomware, is it a wiper? Uh, are there mitigation? I mean, there was a lot of back and forth about this, a lot of confusion. Well, so far, the, the news broke on Tuesday. Monday. Monday. Yes. News broke on Monday. Uh, today is Friday. I, be- I believe the first attacks occurred on Monday. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, the first, the first wave of news was, was at, I believe, on the uh, 27th. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're recording this on uh, Friday the... 30th of June, I should, I should clarify. So, right. What is it? Is it ransomware? They used one Bitcoin address mm-hmm. uh, to which there were about 45 transactions, if you look on the, on the blockchain. Yeah. Uh, total of about $10,000 worth of Bitcoin, or actually, uh, the last time I checked, it was about 3.999-something Bitcoin. So uh, you can fill in the blank for whatever that, that is worth right now. So about $10,000, though, at this point, 
And we've seen ransomware that's come out over the years and that's generated m much more, I want to say, a whole lot more, like millions. Oh, yeah. Um, if this were truly ransomware, I think there would have been more of an effort to put in a way to gather, to, to generate profit. Yeah. So if you're looking for profit, if, if profit is your step three, the, the step two would be to do ransomware and get some of the gang in that's been doing this and, and make it pay off. Sure. If, you're, if step three is chaos, so chaos, then these guys have did the right thing. They, yeah. they, they, that's what they did, uh, and that's what they accomplished. So. Yeah, and they, they so the, I'm, I'm reading from the, some of the screenshots of the, of the notifications. Oops, your important files are encrypted. Let's skip down here to please follow the instructions. Send $300, $300 worth of Bitcoin to the following address. Uh, it says, we guarantee that you can recover all your files safely and easily. All you need to do is submit the payment and purchase the decryption key. Well, there's been no reports. There's been obviously reports, like you said, that there have been transactions on that Bitcoin um, address, but there's been no confirmation that people have actually gotten their files back. So people have, some people have paid. A lot of a lot of companies were hit. Multinational, global companies in Europe, and it spread to uh, a part of FedEx. It spread to a large pharmaceutical company here in the U.S. Merck. Merck. Major and, major enterprise here. And Maersk. Yep. Uh, based out of. Denmark. I believe that's correct. Yep, but they're huge. I mean, they they, they move all of our stuff around in their big boats. Yeah, I should say ships. Ships. Yeah, because yeah, they're huge. Yeah, no, th this 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 is this is bad, and it doesn't sound like anyone's gotten their files back. So you wonder what what's going on, and we should we should say that we should emphasize that. A lot of the talk about this, you know, the, the Petya, not Petya attacks this week were around, oh, it's another ransomware strain using Eternal Blue. And this is a bad look for the NSA. And it is, it is. I mean, this is, this is going to continue to happen. Whatever, however, the NSA tried to mitigate the damage once the shadow brokers got a hold of these exploits. You know, it, it pales in comparison to the damage that was done by leaving these things exposed and not disclosing them in the first place, but but particularly leaving them exposed so that an, a, a third party, a malicious third party, can go in and get them. So it's obviously a bad look, but I wanted to ask you, Peter. So so this is a Microsoft obviously patched the exploit, the SMB v1 exploit, used in Eternal Blue. But it doesn't sound like many people have actually applied the patch, disabled SMB v1, and how much does that matter in the grand scheme of things when you see an attack like, like Petya, not Petya, whatever you want to call it. Well, I, one of my favorite uh, word, uh, names for it is uh, Nyetna. Nyetna. Because it's not... It's not yet. Yeah, and it, and the Russian and okay. Anyway, 
but what's going on? So the th even if you do patch, and even if you are running Windows 10, there's still, we've, we've seen reports over the last five days that some people are getting hit with this and getting, getting uh, uh, damaged with this with fully patched Windows 10 systems. Um, I don't want to get into too many of the details of what's going on or like where, where that is reported or not reported, but I think, I think that if you can, if you patch, if you upgrade to Windows 10, if you disable SMB v1, in fact, disable SMB entirely for yeah. external, you know, yeah. for, for close close the port, close the, that port, the, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I think there was one or two other uh, mitigations you can do that that will configure your system to be to and and systems and networks to be more secure from this attack. Then I think I think that's the way to go. But you you know again. There's this whole dichotomy, or this whole sort of uh, uh, debate. Blame the blame the users, blame the end users, blame the the IT people because right. they didn't patch, or say don't blame the victims because they're not. Even if you do patch, there have been reports that it's not helping. So, um, so what do you do? Yeah, I think I think the the number one lesson that's come out of this that people that the cyber cyber Twitter is telling us is that best practices are the are the things you should be doing. It's not a question of closing one particular vulnerability because this thing, if it can't get in through uh, SMB v one, it's got other uh, tricks up its sleeves. Right. So and there's um, other ways for it to get into an organization, uh, a phishing email. Uh, you know, other sort of network security uh, shortcomings or or holes in an enterprise's defense. The the thing that I thought was interesting with this one was, and and a lot's been written about it, but but so it also uses double pulsar, another NSA cyber weapon to sort of spread. But you know, I mentioned living off the land, and and uh, someone uh, security research, uh, researcher by the name of uh, Leslie. Carhart, um, she's with Motorola. She goes by the um, handle Hacks for Pancakes. Really good blog. Very, very interesting stuff. She posted about the, the title of her blog post was "Why NotPetya Kept Me Awake" and why you should worry too. And she she basically says, and I'm paraphrasing here, but hackers don't want to use a bunch of tools and a bunch of malware and malicious code it's all stuff that can be found and it can be traced back to you the the real adept uh threat actors are the ones that can can use what's in front of them use the systems uh use the software that's in the environment that they're attacking to their advantage and that's exactly what these guys did they used uh, PS Exec, they used uh, a, a couple other tools to, to basically get, like once they, they got into one machine, one machine, they could use that to go to other systems that were patched for SMB1 or Double Pulse or whatever and, and infect through, through, through these tools. So they used um, PS Exec, they used uh, Windows uh, Management Instrumentation Command Line tools to, to basically just move laterally and spread with no obstacles. 
And that's really, like, I don't want to say these guys are the end-all be-all because the way that they set up this, I mean, they're basically using uh, uh, exploits that somebody else discovered and someone else released and made public. And they can't figure out how to take Bitcoin payments, apparently, which we'll, we'll get into in terms of motive in a minute. But clearly they were some someone within that 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 threat actor group whoever's behind sat down and really looked at this and said man we can use these things to spread not just this ransomware or wiper or whatever you want to call it but other things too and that's pretty cunning and that speaks to a level of sophistication that even goes beyond what we saw with WannaCry. everyone was like oh it's a it's a it's a ransomware worm this is this is sophisticated even though it wasn't wasn't that sophisticated, but it was it was interesting. It was a new step in sort of the evolution process in the threat landscape. And now we're here, these guys are using the same, a similar template to WannaCry and other types of ransomware. I mean, we're using the Petya name. It's not Petya, something different, but, or it's not a GoldenEye, it's similar to GoldenEye, another type of ransomware, but they're using these tools to their advantage. And, and just running amok within organizations. Once they get into one system, that's all it takes. It's kind of brilliant. It really is. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't want to pat these guys on the back, but we've been talking for a long time about ransomware becoming more sophisticated and becoming more dangerous and expanding the scope. And look at what, look at what we have. Well, my understanding of the way it works is that it's got tools in there that will look into the, into memory uh, as, in the same way as Mimikatz does. Yep. And so they basically implemented a sort of a lightweight Mimikatz. Yep. And they can pull passwords out of your RAM, yeah. which means that if you've got – and this is the thing that, that reinforces for me the importance of, of best pra practices because what's happened is uh, – the malware gets in there, and let's say it's all patched up, but they're able to use Mimikatz and get these passwords. If you've got uh, domain administrator privileges, yeah. or even system administrator privileges, um, or any kind of, you know, whatever privileges you've got, that is bad. Yeah. And you should feel bad about it. Yeah. Because yeah. you messed up. Because you messed that's up not, bad. Because that's, that's bad practice. That's not best practice. That's bad. That's worst practice. But, you know, at the worse, same time, it, the problem is that, you know, if you're IT and you've got all these people that need things, you've got you to gotta handle that. But the, the bottom line is that going forward, this is, a, this is you know, our fifth wake-up call, let's say, this year yeah. probably. Um of something really serious happening and the consequences are I mean think about it number one uh, actually here's the here's the one good consequence possible consequence mm, I'm ready the fact that this thing is so it's all over the news mm. people are aware of it mm -hmm. and I think people are also aware that that it's ransomware that is or it looks like ransomware but if they pay they're not going to get their data back so it's a real strike at the ransomware business model and people are saying, I keep hearing that maybe uh, the guys behind Petya, the, the, the actual ransomware or other ransomware families are kind of 
unhappy because this is cutting into their profits, which are huge. It yeah. can be huge. Yeah. So, uh, so that's the the plus side. But the downside is we've got we've got these tools that are that are sort of ranging around. We've got people that are clearly looking to to create chaos, and y- it's not hard to put a template on that whole thing and say who's who benefits from this kind of activity of of making the world a chaotic more chaotic place and having fingers pointing at the United States intelligence community yeah who could it be I I, I have no idea I, I mean honestly. I'm just I, I'm I don't just, want to speculate I'm at a loss I, I, who could it be Peter well but the right yeah, I, I, I guess maybe that that's a good point to to turn to the the larger question about what what exactly is going on here. I mean, when I first saw the reports that this was most of the attacks first cropped up in uh, in Ukraine, I thought, oh, it's it's Russia. But then but then Russian companies and some places in Russia were also hit. And if you remember, there was a lot of talk about WannaCry being the product of North Korean hackers. I mean, there's still no like strong evidence to attribute, you know, either uh, uh, strain of ransomware to, to to anyone at this point. I don't think we're at that point. We may not be there for a while. But I guess looking at the big picture, like you said, there's there's no there doesn't seem to be any overriding sort of business uh, 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 motive here. Because if there was, they would have had their their payment infrastructure set up. I mean, that's one thing you can say about ransomware is that, you know, for, for years, ever since the first versions of Crypto Wall, they were pretty solid. You know, there were, there were pretty solid systems in place to, to receive payment, um, usually through Bitcoin. And the last two that we've seen have been completely busted. I mean, it's like they didn't even care that they were going to get paid. So you wonder, like you said, what's the motivation? And... So do you think, it, I mean, honest question though, do you think it is like that this is sort of a nation state attack, whether it's Russia or North Korea or whoever, or maybe it's a third party, I, I don't know. Well, okay, so number one on the, uh, the last graph that I saw on the distribution of, of infections showed that about, and this might've been a day or so ago, so mm-hmm. I, I, haven't, I, I haven't checked again for updates, but, yeah. but this was after several days. Uh, you, Ukraine accounted for roughly two thirds of infections. Yeah, um, something less than a third were were reported in Russia, and then the other countries were. Th- the next one down was very low. It was smaller, but it, it that's the thing that it's crazy is that it it this was not a targeted attack in the sense that they only went after specific like this spread. And I mean, I guess all warns do. You don't really have total complete control over where it goes so i i mean it would be interesting to see a kind of uh, a, a map of how this worked its way into places like fedex and merck you know did they have subsidiaries did they work with companies in those regions that got hit and that's how it made it its way into their networks possibly well the other part of that is that um in the immediate aftermath the first day or so uh the reports were Ukraine and Russia are getting hit badly. Yeah, uh, the f- I, I remember reading in uh, one of the first stories that I that I read about it, uh, the Russian oil company yes. Rosneft yes. Yep. Uh, was reported to have been hit. But go 
you know, fast forward or even slow forward by a day or so, and you still see images on the, in the news of disruption at places in Ukraine and elsewhere, but you didn't see those reports coming out about the Russian oil yeah. company getting disrupted. They just switched to their backup systems. So mm. the speculation... Conspiracy. I like the conspiracy. Right. So the speculation is that those guys had were doing their best practices and mm. so that Russia wasn't as impacted as, as other countries were. Now that w that's one thing. But the second thing that I wanted to point out is that, um, and I'm not sure if this is still uh, confirmed, but the Ukrainian tax preparation software company, mm, yes. uh had pretty quickly been identified as being a, a, a major vector. Yeah. Now, Possibly the, the initial vector. Right. Now, yeah. what better way, if, there, if there's only two, you know, uh, I, haven't been, I haven't shopped for tax uh, software in, the, in this country lately, but I remember there used to be two big ones that you could buy. Yep. And if there's two tax preparation software packages that you have access to that are approved for use in your country, and one of them is, is subverted in this way, you got to figure that's a great way to target people, businesses in that particular country, because yeah. where you know your yeah, yeah. FedEx is yeah their their hub is not going to be using that tax software, but sure. the local FedEx local, guys yeah, yeah. could do it. So yeah, it I mean, you look at all the characteristics and look at all the end results and look at what happened and. You know, you can say, "Oh, it was just a newbie who who screwed up on the on the uh, the command and control section." But I mean, come on, we've seen very sophisticated command and control, yeah, uh, set up for ransomware that uses Tor, that oh, uses yeah. social media, multiple, yeah. multiple cloud services, domains, multiple yeah. domains, yeah, uh, no. everything. So, yeah. yeah, if if they were really looking to make money, yeah. they could have done it right and this is where and, and this i guess will be you know this will sort of close the conversation on on petia and not petia for now but this is where it gets really interesting in terms of big picture sort of threat landscape ransomware evolution what's going on i mean it's I think sometimes we look at ransomware and we, we kind of lose the forest through the trees we say i mean you mentioned backups for the oil companies okay yes people kind of say well as long as you back your data up you're fine not really like yes you you save your valuable data but you're talking about serious downtime you're talking about the cost of ripping out hard drives and just overhauling your 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 network your 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 hardware infrastructure i mean it, it's this this can grind something temporarily to a halt. I mean, it's almost like a, like a physical DDoS, like you are you are, are are grinding operations to a halt for a day, maybe more. I mean, who knows how long? Uh, and I mean, that's if you have everything backed up and you have your applications backed up and everything's ready to go, and you can just swap new hard drives in and get IT operations back up and running. And I don't think it's that easy. But one thing, I'm going to go back to Leslie Carhart's blog post because she makes a really interesting point. In the, in the end of her blog post, she says, the, sub, the subhead is, yes, I'm concerned. She writes, quote, if you work outside Ukraine, you probably got really yucky, lucky yesterday. 
Many enterprises were tremendously vulnerable to this type of attack had, had they merely been targeted by the initial attack vector one time. Blood is in the water. Not only have criminals found that ransomware is a great money-making scheme, but nation states and terrorist organizations have realized pseudo-ransomware makes a misleading and effective weapon, a weapon that can cause collateral damage globally. To your point, pseudo-ransomware, it's not that they're trying to get money. It's not that they're trying to get people to pay them and recover their files. This is just, this locks up your system indefinitely for hopefully a fixed period of time. And yeah, you get your backups going, but what if this is critical infrastructure? What if this is, uh, you know, ICS, this is, this is important stuff that you can't live without for a timed period for any sort of significant downtime. That's, that's bad. It's like weaponized ransomware essentially for, for nation state attacks. And that's pretty concerning. That's yeah. pretty concerning. Yeah. And the solution of, you know, having, having sophisticated backup systems that you can, I mean, you can spend a lot of money on backup oh, systems yeah, that, yeah. that will, you know, that you test periodically, that you make sure that you validate, that you certify, all of those things cost money. Yeah. And if the alternative is you're, stu you're stopped dead for however long it takes to recover, uh, some companies aren't going to make it. Yeah. Yeah, if, some if government agencies right. aren't going to make it. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, I mean, how confident are we that state and local governments, you know, uh, forget them. I mean, federal government, like how well are they backed up for something like this? We're going to find out. Yeah. Well, so my, my last uh, flash of inspiration that came to me, I, I, I'm old enough to remember learning in school about the Maginot Line that defended France from aggression from the East. Yeah. And that was great until the East decided to go around it. Yeah. So now we've got our infrastructure for information security tends to rely on antivirus and, yep. and other kinds of barriers that are sitting there, but these guys are going around that. Yeah. They're, you know, they're bypassing antivirus because they're not using malware, yeah. they're using yeah. tools. Yeah, and we're in a new era of ransomware, whether People want to admit it or not, but this is this is new, sophisticated stuff, or at least more sophisticated than what we had been seeing. And Genie's not going back into the bottle, Peter. Nope. So, well, Peter, thank you for joining me. I know uh, this is probably the last thing we want to be talking about before our nice Fourth of July. Well, it's not really a holiday weekend. We're back in here on Monday. Boo! But it's going to be hot. Yeah, it's going to be hot. So thanks for chatting with me about not Petya, Petya, not Petya, ransomware, not ransomware. I'm always glad to be here. And thank you to the listeners and readers of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.